0: songs that Josh was singing. He mentioned that Pat had, uh, those were Pat's requests, which was good. I also threw a request in for Josh this week. So Josh really got no say in anything this week. He just had to come up here and sing. On the last Sunday night of each month, we have been talking about hymns, but the month of January was a little awkward for me. I was out of town for a couple of weekends and I feel like it's taken me, I've got them all listed, but I'm out of whack on when we're supposed to be doing what, and so this is the first of the month, which normally I wouldn't be speaking, but I am, but today we're doing a hymn, which would normally be the end of the month, and that's not what it is either, so if you're not in the habit of being here on the Sunday nights, the last Sunday night of each month, we do a hymn uh, song uh, that kind of goes, uh, a title that goes along with the lesson, well tonight, or today, I've already messed up. Today, our song is Anywhere with Jesus. We just sang it. If you have a hymn book, there should be one right there close to you. It's number 414 in the book. If you want to open that up, it'll come in handy for you uh, here over the course of what we talk about uh, today. I would imagine everybody in this building knew that song when we started singing. I can't speak for that second song Josh sang. I don't know if we all knew that one or not, but I know that we all knew this one. And and I would imagine that all of us have sang this song, probably could have sang most of the words of this even without the book. But in the book, we're going to look a little bit about what this song is, and we're going to talk about how this could be a lesson for us as well. I want you to start, though, by thinking about when you were young. When you were young, whatever the situation might be that you found yourself in, be it some kind of fearful situation, I suspect that we all had somebody in our lives that we hoped would be with us. Probably the flip side, there's probably people in your lives that you was hoping would not be with you as well. We'd all be better off if they weren't with us. Think about a situation in a movie, perhaps. You know, when there's a movie and the bad guy's after them, there's always multiple people, and the one always falls down. There's no clumsier people than people in horror movies, right? They all fall down. But when they fall down, what's the first thing they do? The other person looks back and says, Come on, come on. It's like, Well, go pick them up and drag them. You know, the bad guy's coming. Well, we would like to think that we have somebody that's sort of with us there when we fall down, right? It's not like the story about the two guys and the bear, and he says, I just got to be faster than you. I don't have to be faster than the bear. You know, we don't want to run off and leave. We want somebody that's going to be right there with us. Well, if you had somebody with you in those situations when you were younger, when something bad was happening, it maybe relieves a little bit of anxiety. Unfortunately for us, the time progresses, some of those people that filled that role for us may long, be long gone. And you know, that, that role is filled by maybe somebody else. Or maybe there's not anybody else. But that's the thing. Those friends when we were 7, 8, 10 years old playing. Those people that we were in school with when we were 17, 18, 19 years old. Those people that we had grown up with, lived with, worked with. Whatever it might would have been. Those people all progress. They all eventually go away. We will go away as well. But what we can look at here today, and what I hope that we can look at today, is that the one that never leaves the staple is Jesus. That's the times of anxiety and discomfort that Jesus is right there with us. This song, Anywhere with Jesus, was written by two people. Written by two different people. The music was written by one person, the song by another, and the words by another. The words were written by Jesse Brown Pounds, a name that's fairly common in the hymn book, and the music was written by Daniel Towner. They actually kind of wrote them backwards, and I don't know if that's exactly the best way to describe it, but it was music first, words second. In 1866, Daniel Towner was listening to Dwight Moody preach in Binghamton, New York. Mr. Moody spoke, the title of his sermon that night was Christ as the Captain of Our Lives. Now, His point was that we could follow him just as someone in the military would follow a captain, confident that they would see us through. Now, this is 1866. This is one year after the Civil War had just ended. There's probably people in the audience that had vast amounts of experience with what was being presented, but everybody would have been pretty familiar with it at the time. Certainly a relevant message, to say the least. He talked about or illustrated the point by telling the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He t- illustrated it with the story of Daniel and the lions. Then, and this man Tanner was moved by this. He thought this is a comforting bit of information to take with us. So Tanner goes home and he writes the, me- uh, the melody, but he can't seem to figure out what words he wants to say. You ever thought about that before? I know what I want to say, but I don't know exactly how I need to say it. And so instead, he sends his idea to this Jesse Brown pants. With a brief bit of information about the inspiration for it. And he let her then write the words. And what she came up with is what the focus of our lesson is going to be this morning. If we are disciples of Christ, we ought to be prepared to go anywhere and do anything that's asked of us. Amen. And we can go and do anything with the assurance that Jesus is going to go with us. Amen. To start with, Anywhere with Jesus, I can safely go. I think safety is probably the thing that we want almost more than anything, right? We want to know that when I go somewhere, I'm going to be safe. I was talking with my students this week uh, about uh, like organizations, like government, like regulation type things, and there. And one of the things that we read in the textbook was how that. If there was a toy that was unsafe, that that would have to pass inspection. It might be pulled off the marketplace. And we said that if you don't, if it was unsafe, somebody could get hurt. You don't want that kind of product floating out there. Well, we want our children's toys to be safe. We want our car or truck to be safe as well. We want safety with whatever it is that we're involved in. Well, when we walk with Jesus, we are following. Him. John chapter 8 and verse 12 we read, Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. All of us have experienced this before, right? We've all walked through the house in the middle of the night, in the dark, and we bumped our toe, and we've, you know, ran into something. Sometimes we even have people that fall in those kinds of situations. We all know what that experience is like. And it might be something that's a route that we take every single day. But sometimes just one false step, and that can knock his hand. And so with Jesus, we know that we can safely go because Jesus is walking and providing the life force. And so following Jesus, notice I say following, not leading, following Jesus is safety. We're promised his presence. That's not just me talking, that's in the Bible. Turn to Matthew chapter 28, look at verses 19 <coughs> and 20 right now. Matthew 28, 19, and verses 20. You've read these words before. We'll see them again here in a few moments. He said... Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I command you. And it doesn't stop right there. That's the great commission. That's the telling of what they need to do. But the last sentence there says, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. It's comforting to know that when you go out and do something, that somebody is right there with you. Somebody is right there alongside you. And so there's comfort in knowing. There's safety in knowing that we're promised his presence. Now, he also knows our distress. All of us have faced moments or times or periods of distress at some point or another. And all of us can relate to the difficulties that we might want to Matthew chapter 10, if you go back a few chapters, Verses twenty-eight through thirty-one says, do not fear those who will kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear, fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's womb? But the very hairs of your head are numbered. Do not fear, therefore; you are more—you are of more value." And so not only do we know that Jesus is with us, that we are promised his presence, but we also know that he realizes that it's not always going to be easy for us, right? It would be a wonderful life if there was never any distress. Do you know anybody who's ever had a life with no distress? It's not possible, right? But we're comforted in knowing that I can safely go further with Jesus with me. Third, he'll deliver us from our enemies. Saying in Matthew chapter 5, this is early in the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And you might say, Well, Jesus, there are times when people are very critical of me, and I feel very. He mentions that. That's the first sermon, and that's all. that's like six verses into the first sermon, he's saying that there's going to be people that are going to be unkind to you. They're going to treat you bad. They're going to criticize you. They're going to make fun of you. Whatever word you want to use, right there. And he says, "Look, that's fine." That same thing was done to the prophets. It's not new to you. But he says, "I'm going to be right there with you. Anywhere with Jesus, I can safely go because there is no fear in Christ." Number two. Anywhere with Jesus, I am not alone. You know, when thinking about this, getting ready for this, you think about what this word alone means. And the first thing that sort of popped in, because I want to mention this, is thinking about Paul, right? And whenever you think about Paul, what do you think about? I would imagine most of us, we think about whenever he was Saul, right? We almost immediately think about, you know, he held the coats when they stoned Stephen. Some of y'all might think that. And some of us might think, well, uh, the, 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 the road to Damascus, and he was converted, and the, you know, that might be a valid thing. Others of us might think, well, what about Paul? You know, he went on all those missionary journeys. He went various places, put himself in harm's way to preach and teach. Do you ever wonder how alone Paul would have been? Think about alone. Where was Paul's home? I ask that because. If you have a Bible that has a map in it, there's probably maps that show Paul's missionary journeys. And it covers about a 15-year stretch. But there's really no time where it's like he sat on the couch at home and relaxed for a little while. You don't see that anywhere. It's like from AD 53 to 55, he was gone. And 57, it was just constantly gone. I feel like there would have been a sense of loneliness in that. You know, sometimes we find ourselves in situations sort of like that. You know, Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, of sort of an impending doom. He said, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. In a sense, you can see Paul here thinking of what he's went through, all the work that he's done, all the difficulties that he's faced. We read the Bible of Paul having to be sort of spirited out of town just to keep from being killed. And people trying to convince him, go this way instead of that way, or you're going to be killed. That's not the life of somebody who's living in comfort dare we say, safety even, from what we just saw a minute ago. There is a sense of imprisonment in Paul. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, he said, At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me, but may it not be charged against them. You know, in times, we might find ourselves in that same kind of situation. We might find that there is sort of an impending doom, something bad is about to happen, maybe, right? And we might find ourselves sort of imprisoned, not in jail. That's not necessarily what it means. Do you ever feel kind of stuck where you are? You know, I was having this conversation with somebody uh, that I worked with uh, last year, and we, we were talking about, you know, sometimes times you just get tired of teaching. You're ready to do something else, but you're certainly sort of like, well. This is 19 years in, and I'm not that far until I can retire. But I went too far, put too much. It's like, Kind of feel sort of stuck. You know, sometimes we sort of feel stuck in our job, or we feel stuck in sort of where we are. If we're not careful, that becomes sort of an imprisonment, right? But Paul said that people had forsook him. He said, I'm not gonna charge that against them. I, I am where I needed to be. And I might think the same thing with my job. I'm not gonna fuss and be mad. I'm gonna fuss and be mad sometimes, but I'm not gonna fuss and be mad at you all because I chose this life. Paul chose. The life that he had, right? Paul tried, Paul was told when he was blinded on the road to Damascus, they told him to go straight in to the, and he didn't have to go. He could have went the other way, right? But he chose to go in the other direction. He made that choice. As Christians, we do the same. Why? Well, because there's a right presence for us. 2 Timothy 4, 17 and 18. This is Paul talking just a verse or two later. He said, but the Lord stood with me." The Lord strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, who Kevin read just a few moments ago. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil word and preserve me for his heavenly Father. To him be glory forever and ever. Paul, right there, uses the word me, I think, five times in those verses. He uses the the word I. Once and what it knows right there. This is Paul talking about himself. He said, "I am in a difficult position. I've been in a situation where I might feel like I'm a little bit lonely." But he says, "The Lord is with me." Anywhere with Jesus, the Psalm says, "I am not alone." Amen. It might seem like though that the future could be negative. You know? You know anybody that's negative? Just being honest, somebody that's negative. Oh man, I'll tell you what—it's just things just keep getting worse and worse. You know that, right? Well, we've had this image, this idea sometimes that the future is only going to be negative. Well, God sees and God knows. Psalm one thirty nine. That's this. Okay, so Psalm one from the Old Testament, way back into the Old Testament. Psalm one thirty nine, verses seven through ten. Where can I go from your Spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make a bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. I say that because God sort of knows what's happening. We don't, right? We look at things in the future and we look kind of scared out. Boy, it's going to be different. It's going to be worrisome. It's, it's not going to be as good. You know what they said about this time right now? What did they say about the 100 years before? What would you think that guy said in 1866 when he was preaching this sermon? Probably said, man, well, that's one year after the Civil War ended. They probably weren't talking real pleasant five years before that either, right? Because 700,000 people are going to die in the next five years. And so we have this worry, but we got to look at what David said there in his song right there. He said, God is going to be, he said, doesn't no matter where I go, you seem to be right there with me. Well, if God's there, that's a comfort for us, right? That's not us being alone. That's a cure for us. That's a cause for praise. Philippians 4, verses 4 and 5. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, right? Let your gentleness be known to all men, because why the Lord is at hand. Anywhere with Jesus over land and sea. This verse was actually written by a different person, not Jesse Brown Pounds, but it works A little bit more. One of my favorite things to read about are stories of explorers in sort of dangerous spots. Explorers that go, I'm fascinated by people in the 15, 16, 17, 1800, whatever it was, that chose to get on a boat and said, we're just going to go as north as we can and we'll see what happens. I am fascinated by the idea, I've just finished reading a book here this last week, that two people said, well, we're going to branch and go this way, and we'll meet back up together in a year, in the ocean. Does that seem like something that you would do? It doesn't seem like, it sounds complicated, it sounds difficult, it sounds like we're all going to die kind of situation. When we think about this idea of over land and sea, just think about where the song comes right there. The Great Commission is for who? Well, we read about that in the book of Matthew, right? And that's he tells the apostles. He says, you're to go out and do that. That's not for us, right? Well, if that were the case, if it was only for the apostles, it lasted, you know, a couple decades, and that'd been about the end of it, right? They'd all been dead. But that says in the book of Matthew that we're to go out to preach and teach over land and sea. Perhaps God's power to save comes from that same gospel, right? Romans one verse sixteen says, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ," right. Because for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. To the Jew first, but also who? To the Greek, right? We use the word Greek. We use the word Gentile. We see anybody who's not Jewish right there. That's everybody. If you're not Jewish, you either are or you aren't. Okay? And so the power to save comes From that, so it has to be preached. Paul said in Romans chapter ten, verses thirteen through fifteen, says, "For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him if if whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent?" Paul said that word's got to go out into the world. What a chain reaction is. Maybe you better say, do you know what dominoes are? You ever set up a bunch of dominoes, line them up, maybe make circles or loops, and then you knock over the first one. What happens? They start falling, right? There are videos on YouTube that will absolutely entrance you of people who have set up dominoes. With different colors and different shapes, and whenever they flick those things and they go, they all start falling down, and you get these like displays and these pictures. If you want to kill two hours this afternoon, look up domino displays on YouTube. You'll be—you'll be in church tonight. It'll be there uh, so long. There's so many things that are like that. But in many ways, the gospel is a chain reaction as well, right? Second Timothy two verse two, we read, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men who then will be able to teach others also. See, the responsibility is, is to not be that empty spot. Because when you flick those dominoes over, they'll go and they'll go and they'll go. But if you go down the line somewhere and you reach in there and you pull one out, what happens? Show's over, right? Stops right there. So the question is, do we want to be the domino that gets plucked out? Do we want to be where it stops? Because we read in 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, he said, you need to go teach other people. But then they're going to teach other people. And then they're going to teach other people. Somewhere in that line, me and you are other people, right? So do we stop? Or do we go further? Well, I might not be the gospel, great commission, apostle guy. But we can still talk to others about the Bible, right? We can still preach and teach a little bit in ourselves. Because that need has always been and always will be present. We've been summoned, but are we ready? Over land and sea. Anywhere with Jesus, I can go to sleep. I'll tell you a real quick story about a farmhouse on 1295 in Gary County. Now, we moved there when I was in first grade. And in that house, it was sort of a straight line, but all the way through it, just like this, from the front door to the back door. And there were two rooms, and then there were two rooms, and then there were two rooms. Y'all probably lived in houses that are just like that. But in the front room, when you walked in the front door, to the left was mine and my sister's bedroom. And to the right was the living room. And our beds, the way they were set up at one point, you could lay in that bed, but I could, Jess's was on the other side, but I could look through the door into the living room. And as a first grader, I could almost guarantee you that there was something down, dancing around on that wall of the way in there, right? I could see something. Because I was hearing noises, but I guess that's because that's what old houses do, right? And I was seeing the trees that were out front when the leaves would move, that would deflect the, the moonlight. Uh, security lights and all that kind of stuff into it. And I just knew that I saw something. You'd lay there and you say, oh, something's happening right out there. Now, I would never have ever thought to go over there and just touch the wall and see what was there. No, that's too scary. Anything can happen, right? Don't want to do that. You know, I'm not that... I you know. So when you're seeing something like that, you all can relate to this. You've all been in situations where I know I heard something, right? And then all of a sudden we go to sleep, Right? And then the morning we wake up, it's real pretty. It's like, Ew, man, what a night. All right, we're good to go, right? Well, when we have these sort of ideas, we think about that. We get worried about it. And I just talked a little bit about this the other night. You know, a lot of times it's when we're real sleepy or we're tired. It's been a long day. You know, we're worried about something. Whatever it might be. Well, then we wake up the next morning. It's all good. But there's going to be a day when we don't wake up. And that's not because of... <laughs> Spooky ghosts that are on the other side of the room. That's not what I mean. But there'll be a day when we won't wake up. We all know that death, though, is not the end. John 5, 28 29 said the hour is coming for all of us, right? We know that our time will come. And we don't know when it will come, but we just know that there'll be a time when we don't wake up. Turn real quick to Second Corinthians chapter 5. I want to finish this morning was 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Starting in verse 1. For we know that it is our earthly house, this tent is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared for us, us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, yes, well-pleased rather than absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. The last verse of the psalm says, Anywhere with Jesus. I can go to sleep. The reason we can go to sleep is because we have what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5. We have a promise. We have a desire. And we have a hope that we don't want to miss out. Anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot know. The last verse of the psalm says, anywhere with Jesus, I can safely go. The song that Josh picked out this evening, this morning is one that I hope you're thinking about as well. But I hope that whenever you leave here today, however it is that you go, that you don't go by yourself, that you take Jesus with you, that he's always there with you as well. Because that is who we want to guide us the rest of the way there. If there's anything we can do for you, any way we can help, we certainly invite you to come while we stand and sing.